Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word podcast dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and I'm here to tell you exactly what I think of some of the latest movies out right now. Today's episode of Words on Film is a special episode because I'm going over the nominations for this year's Academy Awards and the nominations for this year's Golden Raspberry Awards. In other words, the Oscars and the Razzies. The Razzies were announced on January 20th, 2024, and the Oscars were announced on January 23rd. And maybe people don't take the Golden Raspberries as seriously. For me, I don't exactly take it seriously, but I do give it some note whether or not I agree with it or I disagree with it. It's still for me a lot of fun to speculate about the worst of the year as it is to speculate about the alleged best of the year and so on and so forth. And it seems like everybody has an opinion about the Academy Awards. If they are reacting to who was snubbed, who should have been nominated, who shouldn't have been nominated, that's an opinion. If people don't keep track of the Academy Awards, they don't care, they don't set time aside to watch the Academy Awards, they still have an opinion about it. So I definitely have my opinion. And some people even ask me, why do I cover the Academy Awards and not the Golden Globes or the BAFTAs or the People's Choice, Critics' Choice, any of the other award ceremonies? And the reason for me is simple. The Oscars is the last ceremony for the best movies of the year, and it really does have the most merit. And also, I don't cover the Golden Globes because for me, the Golden Globes seems to be a little bit of a spoiler for the Oscars. With that said, I sometimes incorporate Golden Globe wins or BAFTA wins of my predictions for who are going to win. But this show is not going to be about the winners of the awards. Instead, I'm going to cover what I think may have been largely appropriate to have been nominated, what the Academy Awards probably should have considered. Also noting that I did my best and worst of 2023 a couple of weeks ago, and I am going to incorporate some of the some of my opinions about what were the best movies of the year and what were snubbed. So, with with that being said, without any further ado, let me get into the major Academy Award nominations, and I'll get to the technical nominations if and when I have time. So, we're going to start with the major awards, starting with Best Picture of the Year. Now, Best Picture is almost always last to be mentioned in the Academy Awards ceremonies, but... It's going to be the first here because I am covering the major awards first. So, the the nominees for Best Motion Picture of the Year are, in alphabetical order, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, The Holdovers, and the zone of interest. So I'll give you a full disclosure. One of the reasons that I'm not going to be telling you what I think will win and maybe what I think should win is because of the 10 nominees for Best Picture this year, I have, as of the date of the show, only seen nine of them. 
And granted, nine is a lot more than your average Joe would have seen. Maybe they would have seen one or two, probably Barbie and Oppenheimer, uh, if Oppenheimer. But the only one I haven't seen so far is Anatomy of a Fall. And I'm going to make time to eventually see that film when it inevitably gets re-released in the theaters. Are there any movies that I think were snubbed for Best Picture that I that I think should have been in, in this category? Well, to be honest with you, when I look over the top 10 that I made a couple of weeks ago, five of the nominees here... Uh, are made it to my top 10. The only movies that didn't make my top 10, or rather that did make my top 10, but didn't get nominated here were air dumb money, asteroid city. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret and Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. Should any of these films gotten into best picture? Uh, perhaps. And maybe in my opinion, I would have replaced maestro or poor things with one of these. But then again, I can't make an accurate prediction because I haven't seen anatomy of a fall, but poor things has actually, even though I wasn't in love with this film, I think it's gotten the most nominations. It's gotten 11 nominations, including best picture, but I'll cover poor things a little bit later. But of the, the nine movies that I saw, I would say seven of them, six or seven of them definitely deserve to get into the best picture category. Now on to best performance by an actor in a leading role. The nominees are Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction, and Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. Full disclosure, I have not seen Rustin as of the date of the show. It's just one of those films that appear on Netflix and I didn't get around to seeing it. I had a lot of other movies to see in the theaters and I could make all kinds of other excuses. I've heard great things about Coleman Domingo's performance, but I can't really say whether or not he deserved to be nominated or not because I haven't seen his performance. But Bradley Cooper, Killian Murphy, Jeffrey Wright, and Paul Giamatti absolutely deserve to be nominated in the acting category. Among the snubs some people have noted was that Leonardo DiCaprio did not get nominated for Killers of the Flower Moon. I said in my review of Killers of the Flower Moon that Leonardo DiCaprio did a very good job in that role. I just think at his age, he might have been miscast. But there were some scenes in the film where he was obviously giving it his all and he did very well. But I don't think he was snubbed for this category. But in terms of actor in a leading role, I really can't think of anyone else who could have been in this category. So these five nominees seem definitely appropriate from what I've seen and in the case of Coleman Domingo, from what I've heard. So on to the next category, Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role. The nominees are Annette Benning for Nyad, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, Emma Stone for Poor Things, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, and Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall. So of these nominees, I got to say Emma Stone, I think has gotten a lot of accolades. She did win the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Film, Comedy, or Musical. Lily Gladstone also won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Film in the Drama category. So it's going to be between the two of them. 
As for Carrie Mulligan and Maestro, I haven't discussed the movie Maestro yet. I have seen it, but I haven't reviewed it exclusively on the show. But I think Carrie Mulligan did a very good job in Maestro. I don't think it's as strong a performance by her as the movie Promising Young Woman from, oh my God, I can't believe it's been four years. But yeah, Carrie Mulligan, I think, deserves a nomination here. As for Annette Bening for Nyad, I think Annette Bening's a great actress. It's kind of amazing that she hasn't won an Academy Award yet, but she and Glenn Close are among the actors who have been nominated several times but haven't actually won. And Sandra Huller, this is the first time being nominated for her for Anatomy of a Fall, and I can't make any predictions there because I haven't seen Anatomy of a Fall. But... A lot of people have been talking about Margot Robbie being snubbed for Best Actress for the movie Barbie. And I had some issues with the movie Barbie. I didn't think it was one of the best films of the year. But I did think that Margot Robbie in the movie acted excellently. I really enjoyed her performance in the film. I think she gave it everything she had. And she was definitely one of the assets of the movie Barbie. So I do agree that Margot Robbie was snubbed here. And it seems to be kind of a pattern of performances by Margot Robbie that I think were among her best that for which she didn't get nominated. For example, in 2020, she was in the movie bombshell and she played the role of Sharon Tate in Quentin Tarantino's once upon a time in Hollywood. And I thought she was excellent as Sharon Tate in Quentin Tarantino's movie. However, even though Brad Pitt got nominated, and rightly so for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and won for that role, Margot Robbie was nominated for Bombshell over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that was a big mistake, because even though she was good in Bombshell, I thought she was even better in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I think that the Academy Awards did miss the mark here. As for what actress I would replace in this category, I really don't know, because I haven't seen Anatomy of a Fall or Nyad, so I, I really can't say. But as for Carrie Mulligan, Emma Stone, and Lily Gladstone, I think they were appropriately nominated in their categories. On to Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role. The nominees are Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, and Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction. Of these nominees, I would probably have to say Mark Ruffalo in Poor Things Probably not so much. And I like Mark Ruffalo. I think he's a fine actor, but I didn't think he turned in the best supporting performance in Poor Things, especially when there were other supporting actors in that same movie, like Willem Dafoe and Gerard Carmichael, who I think should have been recognized over Mark Ruffalo. But Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon is a yes. Ryan Gosling and Barbie is an absolute yes, because I think that Ryan Gosling took what could have been a forgettable role and made it A, his own, and B, also very funny, as well as lampooning American masculinity, or toxic masculinity, I should say, which, yeah, kind of falls into American masculinity as well, but toxic masculinity happens in other cultures as well. 
Robert Downing Jr. for Oppenheimer, absolutely a great one. And Sterling K. Brown was probably the biggest shocker here for American fiction. But I think in terms of Sterling K. Brown, who is a fine actor, and people are still talking about his performance on the TV show This Is Us, I can't speak about it in length because I've only seen a few episodes, but he was excellent in American fiction, and I think his nomination was well-deserved as well. So are there any actors who I think should have been nominated in the supporting role category? There aren't very many of whom I can think, but I would probably say that Dominic Sessa in The Holdovers might have been a nominee in this category, but I also think that Dominic Sessa for his first movie and his very first role, for him to get nominated in this category might get to his head. So I think that Dominic Sessa does have a bright future as an actor ahead of him, and he's got one hell of a head start. But compared to at least four of these five actors, I think that Dominic Sessa still has some growing and some acting to do in his future. And I think if he sticks with it, he could get another deserved nomination a little while from now. So now on to Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role. The nominees are America Ferreira for Barbie, Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers, Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple, Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, and Jodie Foster for Nyad. Who in this category do I think should not have been nominated? Well, I really can't say because the only person in this category whose movie I haven't seen is Jodie Foster's movie Nyad, for which Annette Bening is also nominated. So I really can't say, but America Ferreira being nominated for Barbie, that's an excellent choice. Of course, there were some other good supporting performances in the film or other noteworthy supporting performances in Barbie by the likes of Kate McKinnon and Rhea Perlman. But America Ferreira, I think, is an excellent choice if given the choice between those three actresses in particular. Divine Joy Randolph, yes, 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 absolutely. Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer is also an excellent choice. And this is actually Emily Blunt's first Academy Award nomination. So very good for her. There are some other movies like The Devil Wears Prada and Sicaria for which Emily Blunt should have been nominated. But it's good to see her nominated for this film. And she was excellent in it. As for Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple, also another choice nomination. And Danielle Brooks' nomination is actually the Color Purple Musical's only nomination. And compare that to when the original Color Purple was nominated in 1985 for 11 Academy Awards, of which it won zero. And I I could go on about what the Color Purple should have won, but that's another category for another time, or another, should I say topic for another time. So those are the major acting categories right there. And I think a lot of them are good choices.
Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And continuing on with my review of the nominations for the 2024 Academy Awards, I've now reached the category of Best Achievement in Directing. For this category, the nominations are, the nominees are, I should say, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest, Justine Triet for Anatomy of a Fall, and forgive me if I mispronounce that name, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, and Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. Now, this has got to be a history-making category because of the nominees for directing, three of the nominees are European. Yorgos Lanthimos is Greek, Justine Triet, who might be Justine Trier, is French, and Jonathan Glazer is British, yet he directs a movie that is in German. And I think all five of these directors did a great job with their respective films. Actually, I take that back. I have to say, I haven't seen Anatomy of a Fall, so I can't exactly say that all five directors did as well as they did, but the biggest snub in this category has to be um, Greta Gerwig, for Best Director. Now, granted, Greta Gerwig was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for Barbie, and I'll get into that category a little bit later. And Greta Gerwig has previously been nominated for other movies like Little Women in the directing category, and Barbie is the third movie which she's directed. And it actually does kind of surprise me that Greta Gerwig was not nominated for Best Director because even though I didn't think Barbie was a perfect movie or was as great a movie as everyone else said it was, it was still a lot better than I thought it would be. And even though the Academy Awards reward or should reward quality over success, i.e. success at the box office, it does say something that Greta Gerwig has earned more money, or rather the movie Barbie has earned more money than, I think, all the films that Greta Gerwig has acted in and or directed combined. The movie made into the billions, and for Greta Gerwig to not be nominated for Barbie is pretty... um, ironic and also really unfortunate. And if I were to take one director out of this category, again, I can't say anything for Justine Triet or Trier for Anatomy of a Fall, but I'd probably take out Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. I'm just saying. Uh, the, the other three nominees, though, Christopher Nolan, Jonathan Glazer, and Martin Scorsese, absolutely deserve to be nominated in this category. Now on to Best Original Screenplay. The nominees are... Anatomy of a Fall, Maestro, May-December, Past Lives, and The Holdovers. Now, this is another category of the best of the best here. Maybe Maestro might not have been uh, worthy of being a a nominee, but I, I wouldn't say I'm against it being nominated per se. It just wasn't my one of my favorite films of 2023 for a variety of reasons that I will get into on a later show when I actually get around to reviewing Maestro. And as for Anatomy of a Fall, I can't say because I haven't seen it. But May, December, Past Lives and The Holdovers, especially The Holdovers, feel like worthy nominations. And if I were to venture a guess as to what would win... I would probably say the holdovers would win. 
because that was an amazing movie with an amazing story that I am actually very surprised was not an adapted screenplay because it seems like the holdovers would have been one of those stories that John Irving or Tobias Wolf would have written. And the fact that David Hemmingson penned the story and the screenplay, and it feels like a a movie that is literary, but it isn't it just alone gets my prediction. But again, I promised you, I wouldn't give you any predictions. I broke that promise right there, but moving on to best adapted screenplay. For this category, the nominees are American Fiction, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Now, Barbie is, I think, not worthy of being nominated here for Best Adapted Screenplay. I think it probably would have been a more worthy nomination for Best Original Screenplay because the screenplay is credited to Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach and no one else. Now, the rules for Best Adapted Screenplay is that it has to be based on another medium. And usually the medium is a book. Those are the most popular adaptations as American fiction, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest are all based on previously written novels. But Barbie is based on a character that was created a a long time ago, but it's not based on any TV character. Now, there have been movies that have been released directly to video where Barbie is the character, and they have freakish animation, by the way, just some of the clips that I've seen, but girls obviously like the movies. But again, I I think that they took a character and made an original story out of that. And for that reason, I don't think Barbie should have been nominated for best adapted screenplay. If I were to take it out of that category and into best original screenplay, which one would it replace of the five screenplays? I can't exactly say Anatomy of a Fall because I haven't seen it, but assuming that Anatomy of a Fall is as great as it's reputed to be, I'd probably replace Barbie with Maestro, or rather Maestro with Barbie. But that's just my opinion. For for Best Achievement in Cinematography, there are some very interesting nominations here. The nominees are El Conde, which I have not seen, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and poor things. Now, I can't make the argument for El Conde because I haven't seen it yet. It is on Netflix, though, so I will probably check that out pretty soon. And poor things, with the reservations that I had about the movie, actually did have some excellent cinematography. My grievance with poor things was in editing, but that's another story for another time. I'm actually kind of surprised that Dungeons and Dragons wasn't nominated for best cinematography. And that's one of the only movies that I probably replace poor things or rather, I'm I'm sorry, Maestro with because Maestro had its moments, but I don't exactly think that the cinematography was as impressive as it was in Dungeons and Dragons, especially the scene where there was that character who could turn into any animal that she wanted to. And there's a scene where she's being chased by certain characters and she's changing into various creatures, big and small. I thought that alone was an excellent, um, achievement in cinematography right there, but not enough for the Academy Awards apparently. So now on to best achievement in film editing. The nominees here are 
Anatomy of a Fall, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and The Holdovers. And I think that in terms of film editing, Oppenheimer is the one to beat here. But again, I broke a promise again. I wasn't supposed to give you what I think was going to be nominated, but I can't think of any other movies that probably should have been nominated for best editing because editing is a tricky category. Yes, it's in the science categories, but again, it's not one of those categories where I feel like a, a movie should have been nominated over some of the other ones. I think maybe poor things shouldn't be nominated here because of the simple fact that there, there should have been some backstory to Emma Stone's character that should have been developed earlier in the film to give her character context. And I think that was a major error on the editor's part, but that is of course my opinion. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. Continuing on with the nominees for the Academy Awards, now we're getting into the science categories, although there are going to be some other arts categories, of which I have opinions. For example, there is the Best Achievement in Production Design, a science category, which also has some suggestiveness, subjectiveness to it. Excuse me. The nominees for this category are... Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Now, full disclosure, I told you before that Barbie and Poor Things were not my favorite films of the year. I thought they had some narrative weaknesses to them, but the production design for those two movies are exceptional. Now, Barbie's probably not going to win compared to maybe... Killers of the Flower Moon and Poor Things. I think Poor Things would probably win in this category because even though I didn't love this film as much as other critics did, I do concede that the production design was one of the best things about this film. And Napoleon also had some great production design as well. And actually, now that I think about it, um, Napoleon is one of those films that, yeah, I get wasn't perfect, but I would have thought that Vanessa Kirby might have been a shoe in here for Best Actress as well. But again, I was probably more annoyed by Mar Margot Robbie getting snubbed for Barbie in the acting category than for Vanessa Kirby. But I'm just saying, just putting that in there. Now on to Best Achievement in Costume Design. The Academy Award nominees for this category are Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. So I think in this case, it's a... It's a cross between Barbie and Poor Things, considering that the costume design in these films were probably the most ostentatious, with Napoleon also get, getting in there as well, considering the late 18th and early 19th century costumes there. So it's one of those movies that I think is going to win, and again, I'm breaking a promise here. So on to another science category, Best Sound. For Best Sound, the nominees are Maestro, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, 
Oppenheimer, The Creator, and The Zone of Interest. This is another category where there are a number of worthy nominees here, and I can't think of any other movies that would have been in these categories. Again, the arts categories are the ones that get the most uh, scrutiny. The sciences are another category, but I've seen all five of these movies. All of them have excellent sound. I have an idea of who's going to win, but that's for a later show, presumably the week before the Academy Awards. Now on to best makeup, uh, best achievement in makeup and hairstyling. The nominees are Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. Now, full disclosure, I have not seen Golda or Society of the Snow. I'm putting them on kind of my list of movies to watch, hopefully before the Oscars. So I really can't make any guesses in this category either, but Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things deserve to be nominated in this category. Now we get into Best Achievement in Music Written for the Motion Pictures, Original Score. The nominees are American Fiction, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Now, what's interesting is that Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is a film that bombed at the box office, didn't do especially well critically. I think it did moderately well. When I reviewed it, I gave my rating of a checkout. It's better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but not nearly as good as the original Indiana Jones trilogy, uh, especially Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. But John Williams did the music for that uh, movie, and John Williams now has more Oscar nominations than any other person in movie history, in Academy Award history, in history in general. You know what I mean. So I don't think John Williams is going to win for this one. I'm not going to predict who's going to win, but... Well, I think that the other four nominees are are good in this category. I think probably American fiction, in addition to John Williams for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, is probably the most surprising in this category. And by most surprising, it's going to be probably the one that won't win, but that's another story for another time. <clears throat> On to the category for Best Achievement in Music Written for Motion Pictures, also known as Best Original Song. For this category, the nominees are It Never Went Away from the film American Symphony, What Was I Made For from the movie Barbie, I'm Just Ken, also from the movie Barbie, uh, The Fire Inside from the movie Flamin' Hot, and Wazaza, A Song for My People from Killers of the Flower Moon. So, I got to say, I haven't seen Flamin' Hot or American Symphony. Flamin' Hot is on Hulu and Disney+, and American Symphony is on Netflix, so chances are I will see those films very soon. I've heard a lot about Flamin' Hot, and I know that Ava Longoria uh, produced it and took a while for it to make it to streaming services, and well, it, it took a while for a studio to back the film, so for that reason, uh, my hat is off to Ava Longoria for putting that film out there. And while I haven't seen American Symphony, John Baptiste is a musician and a person I respect wholeheartedly. But 
as for this category, I think that the two songs in Barbie were very well uh, deserving of nominations. As for Wazazie or A Song for My People, I don't remember that very well from Killers of the Flower Moon, but uh, if I hear it again, I'll probably appreciate it more. Now we're on to the category of Best Achievement in Visual Effects. For this category, the nominees are Godzilla Minus One, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Napoleon, and The Creator. So we have a lot more popular films in this category, which is usually the way it is with visual effects. And I'm going to hold my tongue and try not to break my rule again of what movie I think should win in this category. But I have my eye on one particular movie, but all these movies were deserving of nominations. Maybe the Dungeons and Dragons film could have gotten into this category as well, but considering the creator is a film that kind of came and went, it's, it's interesting that, that these films got the nominees, the nominations that they did, and they were all deserving as far as I'm concerned. Now we get into the more trickier categories. Uh, particularly one category here, best documentary feature for this category. The nominees are 20 days in Maripol, Bobby wine, the people's president Four daughters, the eternal memory and to kill a tiger full disclosure. I have not seen any of these documentaries and rest assured. I am not the only one. Now, I'll see these, these documentaries if I have time, and I will give you a synopsis of what I think should win. However, I am very surprised that neither Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, nor Renaissance, A Film by Beyonce, were nominated for Best Documentary. But they actually published articles in publications like the New York Times and Variety explaining why neither of these films were nominated in the documentary category. Because one of the rules about the documentary feature is it can't be a promotional film. And arguably, Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, and uh, Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, were promotional. But they were, in my defense, or rather my defense for these films... Taylor Swift and Beyonce are artists who do not need promotion and they didn't do these films to promote themselves, at least from what I saw of them and the effect that these films had on the audience with whom I saw these films in the theaters was unlike any other effect that I had. And it does kind of disappoint me that at least Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, didn't get nominated for anything. In my opinion, maybe it's not eligible for being the best documentary, and maybe it's a bit of a stretch to nominate it for best picture, but it should receive some kind of recognition from the Academy. And the fact that it didn't is kind of disappointing. But I have the feeling that both of those films will be remembered and recognized from this point on. So anyway, moving on to Best Animated Feature Film. The nominees for this category are Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and The Boy and the Heron. Full disclosure, I've seen three out of these five nominee nominations. And Elemental, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and The Boy and the Heron were absolutely worthy of being nominated for 
best animated feature. They were excellent. And Elemental is a film that during the first week of, of its release, people wrote this movie off as another Disney flop. And let's be honest, 2023 was not a great year for Disney, critically or commercially. But Elemental definitely deserved to be nominated, not for its box office prowess, of which it actually ended up being a relatively modest box office hit by Disney standards. It wasn't a flop, even though people wrote it off in its first and second week as a flop. But primarily, it was very well animated. As for Nimona and Robot Dreams, I haven't seen it yet. I know that Nimona is on streaming service uh, is on a streaming service. I didn't get to look up what streaming service it's on yet, but Nimona is a film I'll look for and I'll see it. I I think I heard it was on Netflix, but I, it was a a film that bypassed me. And Robot Dreams has not been released in the United States yet, but chances are it probably will be. And if the makers, the distributors of this film don't distribute robot dreams in the next five or six weeks, they're idiots because it looks like a very promising film, but based on the fact that I've only seen three out of five of the animated features, I can't say what's going to win, what should be nominated, what shouldn't be. It seems like those are appropriate categories for best animated feature. And I can't think of any other animated features this year that probably would be in that category. I mean, I did enjoy the Super Mario Brothers movie. I did enjoy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Should they have been nominated for Oscars? Maybe so, maybe not. But I think three out of five of those deserved the nominations. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke, and I've gone through several of the nominations for Academy Awards, and I haven't left a lot of time for the Razzies or the Golden Raspberry Awards, but I'll make as much time as I can for that at the end of the show. But I will go through these next three categories relatively quickly because I haven't seen any of these films. So for Best Animated Short Film, the nominees are Letter to a Pig, 95 Senses, our Uniform, Sacaderm, and War is Over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko. The reason I'm not telling you what I think will win or should win is because I haven't seen any of these short films, and these short films will be released in theaters in a couple of weeks. So I will see all of them then. For Best Live Action Short Film, the nominees are Invincible, Night of Fortune, Red, White, and Blue, the After, and The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. Now, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar has been released on Netflix, but the other four films have, as far as I know, not been. 
But just like the animated category, I will definitely see all five of these films. And finally, the best documentary short feature or short film. Yeah. <clears throat> the nominees are Island in Between, Nai and Waipo, The ABCs of Book Banning, The Barber of Little Rock, and The Last Repair Shop. Now I can already tell one of these movies, The ABCs of Book Banning, is touching a very hot topic in America today. I can't speak for the other four films, but I will say that I am v- looking very much forward to seeing that movie. Now on to the Best International Feature Film um, category. The nominees are Io Capitano from Italy, Perfect Days from Japan, Society of the Snow from Spain, The Teacher's Lounge from Germany, and The Zone of Interest from the United Kingdom, or which actually takes place in Germany. And interestingly enough, The Zone of Interest is the only one of the international feature films that is also nominated for Best Picture. Society of the Snow is is nominated for Best Makeup and Hairstyling, but it is very ironic that Anatomy of a Fall and Past Lives is not nominated for Best International Feature. But this gives The Zone of Interest a distinct advantage over the other four films that are nominated in this category. Now, I will probably not see all these international feature films, and I probably have less of a chance of seeing the international feature films than I do the documentary features, but I will try my best. And I should also note that there are categories in the Oscars that have already been awarded and will receive recognition on Oscar night. And these are the honorary awards, which this year have been given to Angela Bassett, Carol Littleton and Mel Brooks. It's great to see them, at least Angela Bassett and Mel Brooks, finally win Academy Awards. As for Carol Littleton, I'm not familiar with her work, but I'll get familiar. And the winner of the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award is Michelle Satter. So congratulations to all four of them. The honorary awards, I have no arguments about. They're deserving, I'm sure. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And I got to be honest with you, I was hoping to evenly split my show between the Academy Awards and the Golden Raspberry Awards. And I didn't do that. But I may do that for the show that I'm going to do after March 11th, where I give you the winners of, and in the case of the Golden Raspberries, the losers of these award ceremonies. And then I'll probably have it evenly split, but I actually don't regret dedicating more time to the Academy Awards because they have more categories and I have an opinion about each and every one of them. But 
The Raspberry Awards, or the Golden Raspberry Awards, also known as the Razzie Awards, has fewer nominations, and I've got a lot of opinions about these. So, without any further ado, let me get into the nominees for Worst Picture at the Razzie Awards. So, for Worst Picture, the nominees are Expendables, also known as Expendables 4, Meg 2, The Trench, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, The Exorcist Believer, and Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Now, I will tell you right off the bat, I would replace Shazam, Fury of the Gods with You People. You People was, in my opinion, the worst film of the year to me. And while I don't think it made number one on many other critics' worst list of 2023, it did make a lot of critics' top five. Well, spoiler alert, You People was not nominated for any categories here. It should have been nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Jonah Hill, Worst Supporting Actor, Eddie Murphy, Worst Supporting Actress, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Worst Original Screenplay, and also Worst On-Screen Couple, Jonah Hill and Lauren London. I'll get into why the Worst On-Screen Couple a little bit later, but honestly, Shazam! Fury of the Gods was an inferior sequel to the original Shazam! movie. But it wasn't that bad, and I did think it was actually better than the Justice League movie. So there you go. As for The Exorcist Believer, I don't think that movie went off the rails until the last third of it. I thought the first two-thirds was pretty good, and I would probably put The Pope's Exorcist in place of The Exorcist Believer. But then again, The Exorcist Believer made a lot of other people's worst list, and it's not too surprising that it's there. I just don't think it was as bad as everyone else said it was. On to the category of worst actor. In the worst actor, the nominees are Chris Evans for Ghosted, Jason Statham for Meg 2 The Trench, John Voight for Mercy, Russell Crowe for The Pope's Exorcist, and Vin Diesel for Fast X. Now, I always skip the Fast and Furious movies, so I don't know whether or not Vin Diesel was good or bad in Fast X. I like Vin Diesel, but I do think that he's had a bit of a safety net with the Fast and Furious movies. As for Mercy, the film with John Voight, I haven't seen it. I've never heard of it. So it is kind of surprising to me, but John Voight has been on a downward trajectory for the last... 25 years in terms of his acting. I think the last good film in which he acted was Varsity Blues. And Varsity Blues had some problems, but John Voight made a football coach that you absolutely love to hate. (laughs) Russell Crowe for The Pope's Exorcist, that was appropriate. Jason Statham for Meg 2 The Trench. Jason Statham Statham wasn't the worst thing about Meg 2 The Trench, but is his nomination here wasn't surprising. And as for Ghosted, I haven't seen that film, so I don't know whether or not it was worth being in the worst category. Now on to the category for Worst Actress. For this category, I have some reservations with the nominees in this category. The nominees are Ana de Armas for Ghosted, Helen Mirren for Shazam! Fury of the Gods, Jennifer Lopez for The Mother, Megan Fox for Johnny and Clyde, and Salma Hayek for Magic Mike's Last Dance. The two nominees to which I object the most are Jennifer Lopez and Salma Hayek. 
Because even though The Mother wasn't a masterpiece of a film, I still thought it was a worthy film to see, and I did like Jennifer Lopez in it. Magic Mike's Last Dance, it is curious that Salma Hayek was nominated in this category because I thought, even though Magic Mike's Last Dance was inferior to Magic Mike XXL and presumably to the original Magic Mike, but I haven't seen the original Magic Mike, so I don't know, I thought Salma Hayek was actually really good in it, and the sexual chemistry between her and Channing Tatum was amazing. And this is one of those instances where the Golden Raspberry Award, which was founded by a man and continued by men, does unfairly nominate some particular actresses in this category. I don't think Shalma Hayek should have been nominated. I don't think Jennifer Lopez should have been nominated. And I don't think Helen Mirren should have been nominated either because even though Shazam Fury of the Gods had some problems, I don't think Helen Mirren's acting was among the problems in the movie. I thought her acting was very good in addition to Lucy Liu and Rachel Zegler as well as the other actors in here. Megan Fox for Johnny and Clyde. I haven't seen Johnny and Clyde, but I have seen Expendables. And Meg, Megan Fox was terrible in that film. And I, it's a surprising, it's surprising to me that Megan Fox was also not given a nomination for Expendables. On to worst director. The nominees here are Ben Wheatley for Meg to the Trench, David Gordon Green for The Exorcist Believer. Peyton Reed for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Reese Frake Waterfield for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and Scott Waugh for Expendables. Now, I can say that Ben Wheatley, David Gordon Green, Reese Frake Waterfield, and Scott Waugh are probably appropriately nominated for their respective films. As for Peyton Reed for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, well, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania wasn't nominated for Worst Picture. And honestly, it wasn't a film that I thought was terrible. It definitely was a film that was flawed in a lot of respects. But I did think it did some good universe building. I just thought the flaw was in some of the character development, some of the storytelling. But I don't think necessarily that Peyton Reed should be scrutinized for a nomination in this category for that movie, but he is nominated. So what can you do? But if I were to replace Peyton Reed with anybody, it would be Kenya Barris for you people. And that was a missed opportunity for the the golden raspberries on to worst prequel remake, ripoff or sequel. The nominees are Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, expend four bulls, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny, the exorcist believer, and Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. I think I've spoken enough about what I think about all of these films. I don't think Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania probably should have been nominated here. Again, I would say Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is definitely not even close to one of the best films in the MCU. But is it as bad as Superman 3, Superman 4, Quest for Peace, the original Captain America, or Batman and Robin? Absolutely not. Those films make Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania look like the original Iron Man, for example, <laughs> in terms of some of the best MCU films. Worst Screen Couple. The nominees are Expend Four Bulls, 
with which I presume is the entire Expendables team, ghosted Ana de Armas and Chris Evans, Salma Hayek and Channing Tatum for Magic Mike's Last Dance, The Exorcist Believer, and Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey, which is, I guess, nominated in the category in this category for the the title Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey itself. Kind of funny there, but I would have put you people in this category for worst on-screen couple for Jonah Hill and Lauren London. I didn't have any problem with Lauren London being in the film, but the cat the chemistry between her and Jonah Hill definitely waned as the film progressed. And controversially, in the last scene when Lauren London and Jonah Hill kiss, they were told by the director, Kenya Barris, to put their heads together, but not to actually kiss. Their kiss had to be CGI'd in. And when you actually see their kiss or the clip of it, you can definitely tell that it's been CGI'd. And I don't know why they didn't just kiss. They're adults here. But I guess the chemistry between them was so bad, and it, that was another missed opportunity for the Golden Raspberry Awards. Now on to worst screenplay. The nominees are Expend Forbles, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, The Exorcist Believer, and Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. So we have a bunch of films that have been nominated here for worst screenplay. I actually do think that the Razzies should consider worst adapted screenplay and worst original screenplay. It would require them to do a little bit more homework in in their research, but nothing wrong with that because, honestly, there should be some distinction between a bad screenplay that somebody made up and a bad screenplay that somebody got from a book or a video game or what have you. So now on to the category of worst supporting actor. The nominees are... Bill Murray for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Franco Nero for The Pope's Exorcist, Mel Gibson for Confidential Informant, Michael Douglas for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and Sylvester Stallone for Expendables. Sylvester Stallone is absolutely deserving here, especially considering that he kind of tapped out of Expendables in the early part of the film, and I won't spoil exactly how he did, But he did, and despite that, he's given top billing. That's just dishonest. Bill Murray for Ant-Man, The Wasp, Quantumania, yeah, that's deserving. Even though I like Bill Murray, his character was largely forgettable, and Bill Murray seemed actually kind of drunk as he was playing the role. So, yeah, he was deserving in this category. Franco Nero, I don't really remember him from The Pope's Exorcist, so that kind of tells you something. Michael Douglas for... Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, I don't think he was as deserving. And as for Confidential Informant with Mel Gibson, I don't know because I haven't seen the film. And I'm running out of time, so I, I'm just going to give you the worst supporting actress, Bai Ling for Johnny and Clyde, Kim Cattrall for About My Father, Lucy Liu for Shazam for Year of the Gods, Mary Stewart Masterson for Five Nights at Freddy's, and Megan Fox for Expend Four Bulls. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode of Words on Film. I always love talking about movies, and I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and rate the show and leave comments if you can. I would love to get your feedback, even if it's more criticism than praise. This has been Words on Film. I'm Dan Burke, and until my next episode, I'll see you at the movies.